Come in my face, Lashley! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestle Life Radio, episode 76. And no, that wasn't Rusev. That was my cousin Kyle Pauly. Come in my face if you want to fight. <laughs> I'm also here with my little brother Micah. PG show, folks. Yeah, PG. PG show. <laughs> this is if the you, attitude era if you of come in my face, We are going to fight. <laughs> it was pretty bad, though, right? Like, it was really, really bad. At and least Liv didn't say it. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> well, that would be something they'd write for her. And so anything, anything, any kids right now that are listening, they're like, what? Why is this, why is this not funny? She was wet during the segment, so. Yeah. Uh, hey, she was. I'm going to have to delete this entire first minute. I can't. It's too good. It's too good. Facts, man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so before before we actually get started, we usually do a This Day in Wrestling History, but I do want to talk a little bit about AEW Dark. So we're going to cut in This Day in Wrestling for History. This Day in Wrestling History for time. Sorry. Um, so let's talk about AEW. And they just got renewed to 2023. And uh, AEW Dark is now officially coming to TNT. It was announced that that is going to be their second show. It is possible that it won't be every week, but it is confirmed that it will be an hour long and it will be different than what's on YouTube. Hmm. So Micah, as the person that watches Dark every single week, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on that. I'm really looking forward to it. Dark basically is two or three matches a week they, they do before and after the show. And they uh, they have a little bit of a, what they call in the control center which is just like a recap of what happened on Dynamite and some really good segments from BTE. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm hoping it's Saturdays at 6.05. That would be that would be great. Um, but AM or PM? PM. Why such a weird why a weird time like that? Because that was uh that was what Thunder was, right? Thunder was on Thursday. What was what was Saturdays at 6.05? Saturday night main event. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 I think they should do some callbacks to WCW. You know, they've they've already got AEW Dynamite. Let's do AEW Lightning. But why Let's not? Do Let's do it. I'm in. Let's, I'm Let's in. Do it. Let's do it. We're gonna have Taz on commentating. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. He signed a multi-year deal today. Yeah. Um, so I'm he really was pretty good when he guessed it, though. So he Man, was he, really good. I've really I, I didn't always love Taz, but seeing him Me with uh, with Jr. and with Excalibur here recently, I've really been liking him. Yeah. Be surprised at how good you could be when Vince isn't yelling in your ear every five seconds. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? But that that's going to be really cool, and I'm really excited about it. Anything, I think Brandy is the one that said this, and forgive me if I'm giving it to the wrong person, but someone said anytime there's more programming on TV, that means there's more work for wrestlers, and I think that's great. There's also more exposure to people and to fans and to potential fans. So I think that, you know, even the WWE should be, to an extent, excited about this because there's more TV time filled with wrestling and potentially creating more wrestling fans. Yeah. Expose me, Lashley. How, how long do you think it's before WWE starts 205 Live again to compete with AEW Dark? <laughs> well, 205 is kind of kind of still going on, I guess. Is, I, it, I think. is it really? No, nah, it's dead. Yeah, NWA is also still a thing. Yeah, NWA Power, baby. Apparently, it's really good. I've never watched a single episode. It is. Everyone keeps telling me to, and I, I, I will at some point, but I it's, just don't have time. It's better now that Jim Cornette's gone. Yeah, that's what I heard. So, yeah, I, I think it's great. 
And uh, yeah, 205 Live on Saturday nights or whenever they have AEW Dark, it's not going to happen. There's no way. 205 Live is a joke. But I wouldn't be super surprised if they had like a secondary NXT show, which would be kind of cool. Maybe make the NXT, uh, maybe like have a big main event and the other matches are, you know, for people that aren't quite as popular to kind of help get them over. And because right now with NXT, you have people that are practicing on this show against AEW. They're never going to overtake them. But if you actually make NXT a third brand and have, excuse me, some sort of NXT developmental show, I mean, I wouldn't be against it. They should call it NXT Uck. For? NXT Uck. NXT UK. Oh, I get it now. Yeah. That's a good idea. You know, I haven't thought about that. It took way too long. (laughs) NXT, uh, well, you you had so many dirty jokes. I'm like, am I missing something? Like, I I know I've heard this jokers live. I know you're talking about. (laughs) He's only made direct quotes from this week's programming at Raw. That's true, and said things that happened. So, it's PG show, guys. PG show. Yep. So let's honestly, really quick, I do think they could possibly. I don't think they do 205 Live. I think they would do like a UK show, especially since they have, I mean, it's it's going to happen afterwards, but they're having the Worlds Collide thing come up. And part of the issue is nobody watches NXT UK on the network except UK people and barely probably. So I could see them trying that if they do anything uh, or they might just do like some type of backstage style show since Fox has their own going on. So I don't know, but they, I think they will definitely try to counter uh, this move by AEW in some way. Yeah, I also want to talk about before we get into our review to the three big shows. Total nonstop action wrestling, and this is actually really great timing because the last episode that we did was a uh, up. Uh, excuse me, it was a best and worst TNA edition, and now TNA is officially coming back for one night only. On April 3rd. Now, I want to share what I would like to see from that. And I really want to see some old TNA names return. TNA legends. I know, unfortunately, there's no way we're getting AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Abyss. I was going to say, like, half of them are on the WWE roster right now. So I know. (laughs) But is there any chance, any chance, we get Christopher Daniels? I think there's a great chance we get Chris Saban and Alex Shelley. Alex Shelley was just on NXT, and I think that he's not signed a contract yet. I think there's a very, very, very small chance that the Young Bucks are there because that olive branch was extended months ago. Um, I would. I know Petey Williams is still wrestling for Impact, so I don't know. I think there's a big opportunity for guys that that – you know, we're a big part of TNA's history to be there. And I'm, I'm really excited. It would be great to see Kurt Angle and Christian Cage, who are not officially, you know, signed as talent to WWE. Mm, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, other names like Sting and Jeff Jarrett, like Booker T, they're not like... Yeah, never going to happen. They're, yeah. they're not TNA, you know... Oh, Jarrett is for sure, but like... Yeah. Like, Booker T, he's obviously more WWE and... Sting is, when you think of Booker T, TNA is the third company you think of with him. very true. So I, I don't see them being there. Maybe Kurt Angle. I don't see Christian doing it. Um, 
He's got the WWE know. podcast. Kurt Angle still wrestles on the James Indies, Storm, though. maybe like yeah. But Chris Harris. like I said, really, I mean, just it's just going to think about all the big names. Like basically, everybody's in WWE. There's AJ, Samojo, Eric Young, Bobby Roode, Jeff Jarrett's mm-hmm. WWE backs in the backstage capacity. Abyss is backstage capacity. Abyss. What if they get SCU? They could get Kazarian and uh, Daniels. Daniels. Did Scorpio Sky ever wrestle in TNA? I don't believe so. I don't think he did either. They could get Elix Skipper. He's probably not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. You know who else was big in TNA? Ron the Truth Killings. Oh, yeah. our truth uh, was great in TNA. Oh, he was so good in TNA. And then Road Dog, he can't show up. I don't the, know, man. It's the just, Deadly should, could show up. They're still yeah, doing what? Like, Team 3D, Brother Ray and Brother Devon. That's right. <laughs> it could happen. I don't know, though. I think probably what will happen. You know what they should is- do? They should uh, bring back Tommy Dreamer and all the ECW originals and just redo the TNA ECW. They kind of are doing that now. <laughs> That's true. House of Hardcore. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I would be... Well, like, no, RVD and Rhino and Tommy Dreamer and a lot of the guys from former ECW are wrestling in Impact right now. Right. So... I, but I, I I think what'll probably happen is they'll have a show with their stars, their current stars, and then they'll have like three or four guys maybe return. But yeah. I really don't think it's gonna be that big of a deal. I would love it. I would love to be wrong, but I don't think I'm gonna be wrong. Yeah. I don't think I Kevin Nash isn't making an appearance. Hulk Hogan's not. No one wants no one wants, no one wants that. <laughs> yeah. no, no. Like I'm just thinking all these names like Who's like a, a big name they could have? And I don't see anybody. No, I don't either. <laughs> what I really want to see, though, more than anything else, is Micah in his TNA tie-dye t-shirt. I still have that shirt. <laughs> There's no but, way. Wear it. You were like 11 years old. Does it yeah. still fit? I haven't tried, and I don't want to tear it. Because <laughs> it will burst at the seams. You can you can make it your profile picture temporarily. How yeah, about that? I, I definitely but, will. Yeah, we'll post it on the uh, WrestleLife Radio Instagram. Yeah, that was back before uh, back before Hulk Hogan came in and ruined things. And it was Slightly. still a good promotion. Yeah. Slightly. Mm. When you had the oh, frosted man. tips going on. <laughs> yes, it was great. That I was, was going Super to be Saiyan. Saiyan. Yeah, Super, super Saiyan Michael. Like you know. We all had frosted tips, so I can't really say anything. Yeah, that's absolutely going to happen. <laughs> 100%. So let's move into our reviews. And let's talk about WWE SmackDown first. So take it away, Kyle. I will talk about SmackDown, but since we're not doing a This Week in Wrestling History, and this is the People Show, I do want to quickly point out that uh, this week, The Rock lost his father, so yeah. condolences to The Rock and his family. Obviously, a WWE legend, Rocky Johnson. Um, if you aren't familiar with him, which you should be, but if you're not, go you know look up some of his old matches. Uh, he partnered with Tony Atlas and uh, the old W. Uh, WWE days, and they were the first African American tag team champions. Uh, obviously, Peter Maivia was his uh, grandfather, and Rocky Johnson married Rocky Johnson's his daughter. Yeah. Yes, father-in-law. So, right. So, uh, yeah, just go check him out if you haven't seen. He's he's great wrestler. I mean, obviously, The Rock. You know who he is. <laughs> I would hope. Yeah, you can see Rocky Johnson on the WWE Network right now. Yeah, a lot of so, good stuff. Rest in peace, Rocky Johnson. Uh, so SmackDown for this week was from the Ford Center. Uh, we actually opened the show with Miz TV. And uh, obviously last week, Miz lost to Kofi. He was having a pouty week. 
and he attacked Kofi after the match. So Michael Cole comes out and, uh, well, Miz is coming out and Michael Cole says, we're seeing a different side of the Miz. We're seeing a different Miz after this fiend stuff. And Miz is just walking out to his normal theme music with his normal goofy outfit, waving and smiling at the fans. I'm like, Michael Cole, what are you talking about? It's so stupid. I hate that they're even mentioning that. I or just tell Miz, like, hey, we know that like we're going to do this. Act a little different. <laughs> like, yeah. And then he like, cut uh, the face promo, basically. Yeah. And he and he apologized. So basically, he claimed his attack uh, last week on Kofi was a result of him having a bad day. And he, he, like I said, he apologized to Kofi. He just said that he had been through a lot. His daughter was traumatized. He had a lot on his mind. And he just let his emotions get the best of him. Came off like a good guy here, although I couldn't really pay attention to him much because he had a headband on with his eyeballs on it. So he had four eyes staring at me yeah, the whole time. It was really weird. So uh, he said there, uh, there's only been one bright spot of this past uh, month, and it was the return of his brother, not his real brother, but his friend brother, John Morrison. And John Morrison comes out, and he comes out to that horrible, horrible music. I made that Listen. sound my ringtone. This is no make-believe. Come on, open your eyes and see. That is a better version than... <laughs> it's, it's basically a bad Jim Morrison Doors impression. That was the point, though. That was the point. I hate it. It's it's up there with uh, soccer as music to me. Just like... No! Oh, yes. No! Come it's, on! It's, it's, it's not, not even it's horrible anyway it's not good but it's not so it's it's bad but it's not terrible I mean Sakura's music is yeah. like makes me want to mute my television yeah well, I mean it basically killed the crowd because this guy it comes is, back sure. after you know a long absence he you know was somewhat of a you know fan favorite you know at least you know the fans who are watching him on TV like or outside in the indies they, they enjoyed this guy's work so You'd expect him to come back to some kind of ovation, but no, they're just kind of like sitting on their hands. Uh, but though his reception was lackluster, he did get a welcome back chant after he was in the ring. And then the Miz played a sizzle reel to kind of remind everybody who Morrison is because WWE thinks you're stupid. Uh, they show him doing flips and all that good stuff. Uh, then Morrison gets the mic. He said, he said his plan was to come back at the Rumble, to which he says, he was planning on having a new entrance, new music. And I was just like, oh my God, like <laughs> just maybe he'll still get it. I'm hoping that just the whole time. That's all I could think about. Uh, but he said he was going to come back to this, you know, big return, but he saw that his buddy Miz was going through a hard time. And he felt like he needed his help uh, Two just stand up guys here. Miz apologizing for acting like a jerk. Morrison acting like a good guy coming to save his friend. And then we have a swerve. He basically starts chastising the fans for saying the Miz sucked after one bad week, which honestly, I kind of agree with. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so Morrison basically just runs the fans down, starts calling fans in to challenge him in the ring. Then the new day interrupts. Kofi comes out with his plate of pancakes. He says, I can't throw them because I got a mic in my hand, but we'll get to it. And I'm just like, <laughs> well, then why did you bring either of them out? Yeah. Like just leave the pancakes in the back, dude. So Kofi says he has a problem with how Miz handled himself. And I'm just sitting here just like, the guy came out and apologized. Like what? I get it. But just be like, hey man, like cool. Like shake his hand. So not a fan of Kofi here. Miz yeah. brings up Kofi. He says he respects him. He also respects him losing his title in six seconds. 
Then again, Kofi corrects him and says, it was eight seconds. And I'm just like oh, banging burn. my head against the wall. Uh, I'm like, this segment sucks. He really, he really turned that around, didn't he? It's so dumb. So he basically tells Miz that he's changing from the cool Miz to the annoying Miz. And then says the fans are right in saying that he sucks. And then his music just kicks on like, ooh, there's no coming back from that one. Might as well play him off. And then we go to commercial break. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just announced there's a rematch coming uh, after the break from these two, which I don't know why. And 50 uh, booking, that's why. It definitely. And I could tell this, ma- this match doesn't matter because we come back from the break. They're in the ring and they're about to have the match. Morrison and Biggie are on commentary. And they're actually really entertaining going back and forth. They were. But it just reminded me that like, wow, I really don't care about this match because I'm not paying attention to any of it. I just listened to these two go back and forth. So Biggie uh, is so entertaining though. Like John Morrison did a great job, but Biggie is so entertaining. He was, and I, I thought Morrison did great. Like I was he was making good points to like cause like free he's freezing Biggie up. He was like not expecting Morrison to <laughs> to be this uh on his toes, I guess. But uh at some point in this match I started paying attention and Kofi was in control. Uh he Miz throws Kofi into Biggie on the outside, basically. Uh, and Morrison gets to his feet. We have like standoff and go to the commercial break. And then we get back. Kofi is sold, so suddenly hitting a backdrop on the Miz. And I'm like, uh, I guess he got back in control at some point. So Morrison and Miz, they've uh, moved on to cheering on their partners at the outside. And uh, I thought we'd at least get an exclamation from Michael Cole of what happened near the break. But he started to say something and then just said, things broke down. So yeah. Whatever. Thanks, Michael Cole. Yeah. So basically, Miz started working over Kofi's knee. He hits his crappy yes kicks. Uh, they started doing reversals on their signature moves, much like they did last week. But last week, when Kofi rolled at the Miz, he was able to pick up the pin. But not this week. He rolled at the Miz, but Miz kicked out. Then Kofi hit an SOS for a near fall. Kofi went to the top rope, but Miz targeted his knee again, went for the figure four. Kofi was able to get uh, to the ropes and got tossed to the outside. Then Miz and Big E got in each other's face. Morrison hit a flip onto Big E. Uh, this distracted Kofi, allowing Miz to slide in, hit the skull crusher finale, and picking up the win. I don't know why Kofi rustled this man again, but 50-50 booking, Miz picks up the win. So it was f- fine. Like I said, the first half I didn't even pay attention to. Um, the first but- half was the best part. I'm kidding. It was it was pretty much the same. It was the most entertaining part because of Biggie and John Morrison. So right after this match, we have a Firefly Funhouse segment. Uh, it's pretty short. Bray tells the Fireflies that he loves him, but he says Daniel Bryan isn't worthy of love. Actually, he he deserves the opposite of love. And I was like, hate. Uh, aren't you supposed to be like an educational show, Bray? Yeah. Can you tell the kids what the opposite of love is? So basically Wyatt says the Fiend only wanted to remind Daniel Bryan of his days in the Wyatt family and then change him so he can pull out his hair. But now he just wants to hurt him because he wants his title. And he just goes, all right, bye. And just started waving. <laughs> it's like, and I was like, okay, this was really pointless. But yeah, then Firefly Funhouses are, are always, there's more to it. And right. There wasn't more to that. But it, it did kind of, I, I was not caring about this much until at the very end. He was like, I love you, but not you, Daniel Bryan. I don't love you. <laughs> He's waving. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, backstage, Mandy Rose is getting ready for a match. Sonya Deville is hyping her up like a geek. She 
it was way overdoing this. It was really just she she was basically doing finger guns at her like, come on, Mandy, you got a match. Let's get excited. Uh, basically, Mandy says she's you know getting ready, but she had to take care of something. Deville leaves her. She pulls up a giant box, looks in it, and smiles. Then we have Elias in the ring. Two giant guitars are shown on the screen, like the augmented reality guitars. So I guess that's his new symbol, or two giant guitars. Uh, basically, he plays the same song he did last week, just different lyrics, uh, except it was no good. It sucked. The crowd was kind of into it, but barely. They were just clapping along. Uh, but all his jokes were lame. It just sucked. Yeah, I'll be honest. Anytime I see Elias grab a guitar, I fast forward. Yeah, I mean, last week the crowd kind of got into it, and some of his jokes were okay. But this week, it was like, hey, that kind of worked. Let's just do the same thing yeah, again and make up new jokes. It didn't rhyme at all either. Yeah, I could not follow it. So it, was it sucked. miserable. Yeah, so backstage, Otis and Tucker are getting hyped up for a match, I guess. I don't know what they're doing. They didn't have a match. So they were just, you know, doing whatever. But Mandy walks up. Tucker obviously isn't very happy because he, you know, she screwed over his buddy. He doesn't trust Mandy, but Mandy apologizes, gives Otis the box that she brought him says, it might not be as good as your mom's cake, but I made it just for you. He opens it up for the camera. It's a giant cake that says, I'm sorry on it. It has a tiny little toy bulldozer on it. It it was great. Otis was thrilled. I super marked for the bulldozer. Like <laughs> my, tiny my, toy my, bulldozer. my beautiful wife, like I'm like marking and like jumping up and down on the couch and goes, there's a little bulldozer on the cake. It was so great. It was awesome. So Otis is like stunned. You can tell he's thrilled. Tucker still doesn't trust Mandy, but Otis is overjoyed. Then we have Alexa Bliss versus Mandy Rose. Uh, again, I don't really, didn't they wrestle last week? Uh, I don't Did know. They? I don't pay that much attention to SmackDown. Anyway, it's, no, it it's was that Alexa. weird tag match last week. Remember? That's and right. Alexa that's right. Like, why are we even in this match? <laughs> oh yeah, because we want to be tag champs again. Yeah, was, yeah. Right. So, uh, it's Alexa versus Mandy. Uh, Alexa and Nikki have this weird selfie inset promo. They they basically said they're in the Royal Rumble, but you could barely hear it because the announcers were like talking over it, and they like didn't have much to say. And so it just like came and went and I was like, I don't even know what this is supposed to be about. So yeah, it was basically pointless. Uh, then Colin Graves did a good job of marketing all of Mandy's products. as She walked to the ring. Uh, nothing really to this match. Uh, Mandy. I, the one thing I took away from this was she was a baby face in the back and she was pretty sweet to Otis. And I was actually kind of like, Oh, okay. Like I can kind of get into Mandy, you know, as a baby face. And she comes out and she's just heel Mandy again. Alexa's the baby face. They're going back and forth. They're basically like literally mirror, mirror images of themselves. They keep hitting each other at the same time and all this stuff. Uh, basically the finish came when Alexa had control, but just as she was about to hit her DDT, I think on Mandy, Otis's music hits. He comes down. He's got the cake in his hand. This obviously distracts Alexa Bliss because he is like, rubbing he's eating the cake and rubbing it all over himself like a deranged lunatic (laughs) (laughs) alexa's like i mean she was actually distracted and i don't blame her mandy rolls up alexa uh and gets the pin here um yeah basically otis was just dancing outside with the cake rubbing it all over himself so otis is very happy (laughs) i very much love otis 
and I loved seeing him. His dancing is always hilarious. It was a little weird, though. It was a little strange. Yeah. So we'll we'll see next but week I'm, what I'm happens. Okay, with strange. Let's just let's see where it goes. Yeah, I'm not. Gonna, I, I'm enjoying this at all. This was fun. I am enjoying this Otis and Mandy thing. So yeah, yeah, I'm liking it. So then we have well, it's supposed to be Lacey Evans versus Sasha Banks, uh, but of course Sasha they music promoted hits. like all they, friggin' week. They promoted, and of course Lacey, uh, she comes out, and then Sasha's music hits, and Cole says it's boss time. Uh, but Sasha doesn't come out. Lacey's just waiting in the ring. Bailey appears on the screen. She says Sasha is finishing her album, her rap album in LA. Uh, Lacey basically gets a mic. She gets a pretty good promo on her about, you know, Sasha being a coward. Uh, talks about her military background again. The fans are eating it up. Uh, she then challenged Bailey to a title match since Bailey's not doing anything. Bailey says she isn't Evan's snot nosed child and she doesn't have to listen to her. Obviously, <laughs> pisses Lacey off so she runs to the back to confront Bailey she jumps Bailey <laughs> or no Bailey jumps Evan sorry yep. and then Bailey just tries to walk away <laughs> she's like walking away smiling slowly so obviously Evans gets up she's like alright starts taking it to Bailey beat the crap out of her she goes for the women's right but Bailey is able to dodge it and makes her escape so yeah this was a weird segment for me just the sheer fact that Bailey like smashed Lacey Evans' head into this like locker like ten times, and Lacey Evans like no sells no sells it. it was- she's just on the ground looking at Bailey as Bailey tells her yeah or whatever she said, and then yep. she just like slowly walks away, and it's like well she's not dead, she's clearly just sitting there. So Evans just got up and hit her in the back, so they're fighting again. Right. So it's on Bailey for turning your back on your opponent. So. uh yeah, so they fought in the back, essentially. So I'm guessing Sasha Banks and Lacey Evans will fight another day. I don't know if they actually announced it for next week, but uh, after this, we got a recap of the main event from last week where The Fiend attacked Daniel Bryan. And then Kayla interviews Daniel Bryan backstage, asks what his response is to The Fiend. Bryan says The Fiend did change him, but he's The Fiend is upset because he didn't change him the way he wanted to. He changed him for the better. Uh, he said he knows the fiend is beatable and that he will beat him at the rumble. And then the TV behind him turns to static and rambling rabbit comes on the screen. He says he knows the fiend's weakness and uh, he, he's about to tell Daniel Bryan what his weakness is. Uh, when all of a sudden Bray Wyatt walks up with his evil gloves on, he grabs rambling rabbit by the head. He tells him snitches get stitches. <laughs> he tells right. Brian to let him in. So the TV cuts off and Brian just nods his head and that's it. Uh, someone needs to tell the writing staff how to write endings better for these segments. Like earlier in the night we had Cuffy just Kofi yelling the miss sucked at the end of the segment. Brian here just nods and ends the segment. Just not the best way of ending segments. I'm yeah. Sure. So then we have Braun Strowman versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Basically, <laughs> it, it's it's so dumb. So Strowman makes his entrance, immediately go to commercial break. We come back, Nakamura, Sami Zayn, Zara are coming out. We get a replay of what happened last week with uh, Nakamura kneeing Braun in the head after he beats Cesaro. And then Cole tells us if he's able to beat Shinsuke tonight, he could get a title opportunity at the IC title. And I'm like, this is so dumb. Mm-hmm. If he's having a match with him, why not make it for the belt? 
since he already beat his buddy. And if it's if it's like a non-title match, he's just like, oh, he could win. Like at least say like if he wins this, he'll definitely get a shot or something. I mean, you would assume it, but who knows in WWE. I really hate in WWE, and I've said it a thousand times, I hate how they put champions in a match specifically to lose to set up a title match. I hate it, and they do it all the time. Yeah, and I mean, that's exactly what happened here because Strowman just beat on Shinsuke early. Uh, Sammy, of course, kept getting involved, and uh, the heels were able to distract Braun and Nakamura and Cesaro jumped him on the outside, sending us to another break. I was actually excited because the commercial break was at the very beginning with the entrances. And I was like, okay, well, at least they'll do this whole match all the way through. But of course they don't. They have two breaks in this, you know, in this match, if you count the entrances. So after the break, Nakamura is in control still. <laughs> it was funny that Sammy was yelling, get these hands at Braun when uh, Nakamura had him in all his arrest holds. Right. Uh, Nakamura kept hitting him with like this middle rope knee. Uh, but he goes for it again, and Strowman was able to catch him and hit a clothesline. He had a bloody nose for something from something Strowman did, uh, but nevertheless, he began to run wild, you know, killing Nakamura. But uh, Nakamura was able to fight out with a couple knees, got some near falls. Then Strowman hit a big spine buster. Cesaro tries to get, get in the ring and interfere, distracts the referee. Zayn tosses an icy belt, but Braun catches Nakamura before he can use it, hits him with a power slam, and just beats him. So I guess this may. Get him a title opportunity. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so stupid. So after this, Seamus cut to promo again after like weeks of promos. Basically, he just recapped him killing Shorty G from last week. So nothing special. And then basically, we had another commercial break. Come back and Daniel Bryan is in the locker room and he finds a box. And it's it's like a present wrapped up. Uh, he goes up to it opens it up and it's nearly decapitated rambling rabbit. He has a big wound on his head. So apparently these puppets have wounds or something. He's like bloody and stuff. So the rabbit's dead again. So that means he'll be back. Yep. He's like Kenny from South Park and uh, he just keeps dying and coming back. So, yep. After this, uh, Roman Reigns comes out. I thought we were about to have the main event and I was like, why is Reigns coming out to his own music? But apparently he just wanted to come out and talk first. He talked about 2009 being a blessing year, uh, even though it ended rough. Then, uh, you know, ended rough with Corbin's crew attacking and humiliating him. Reigns pointed out that he has, he always has backup. But this time he doesn't need his friends. He needs help from his family. Uh, he said 2020 was going to be his year, and he promised to win the Royal Rumble and headline WrestleMania for the fifth time, which I know he's like the big dog and he's their guy, but I heard him say the fifth time main event WrestleMania in his Fairly young career. And I'm just like, oh God. Yeah. So he's he said he's gonna do that with his cousins, the Usos by his side. So the Usos come to the ring. Uh they talked about sitting on the sidelines and watching it. Uh it was tough watching Queen Corbin attack Reigns. And then they noted that if you mess with one of them, you mess with the whole family. Corbin and Dolph come out. Uh Corbin promised to win the Royal Rumble and noted that Reigns won't be able to hide. Reigns then challenged Corbin to a match at Royal Rumble, and he accepted. So we're going to see Corbin twice <laughs> in a match with Roman Reigns and then in the Royal Rumble. So get ready for that. I also want to point out something that B-Dubs pointed out to me. She said 
you know, they're talking like they were, you know, on this like mini vacation. Like, you know, they were relaxing at home. No, they were home because one of them got stopped for drunk driving. They were on a vacation. It was called uh, Vacation Rehab. Right. <laughs> in a halfway house or something. I don't know. Uh, but yes, they were being disciplined. Um, this this so wasn't we, the first time they were caught drunk driving either, right? It was the no. other ones. I don't remember which one was which, but one got caught like six months to a year ago. And poor Naomi's still on her vacation, apparently. Yeah, because they wanted to bring them all back together, and they did not do that. Yeah. So, she didn't do anything wrong. No. So uh, basically we had the main event, um, which just it's another main event ending in a disqualification. Spoiler alert. And uh, we knew yeah, that. Just, was- yeah. <laughs> but I just hate just, I just hate it when they do that. It's just, anyway, basically what happened in the main event, heels had the advantage early. Obviously I, they isolated uh, Jay in the corner uh, getting a hot tag to Jimmy, who's running wild. Climb the turnbuckle when the revival comes to the you know comes to the ring. Jimmy was distracted and Corbin took over. He pulled Jay off the apron and threw him into the barricade. But then Roman Reigns music hits. Uh, the revival come up the ramp. He just punches both of them with a Superman punch at the same time, making them like dorks, which I actually enjoy. <laughs> so uh, Roman Reigns basically comes out to even the odds which still by my math doesn't even the odds, but whatever. Uh, we come back from the break. Jay was in control. He's like beating the crap out of Corbin. He hits him with a super kick, hits a dive at the top rope, but Corbin catches him and throws him into Reigns. Corbin then jumps Jay, throws him in the ring post. Reigns hits a spear on Corbin on the floor for the disqualification. So another main event, like I said, it in disqualification just because, you know, it broke down as Michael Cole say. Reigns clears the announce table when suddenly someone else comes back from their vacation. Bobbert Rude, back from his uh, suspension vacation. Welcome back, Bobbert. So he just comes back. He jumps Reigns. All the heels beat up on Reigns and the Usos. Uh, Rude gives Reigns a spine buster on the table, but doesn't break it. So Ziggler climbs up, stands on the table, hits a standing elbow, and you would have thought he got shot in the back by the way he reacted to this. Yeah. Uh, Reigns is dead in the table. They're buried Reigns under broken chairs and tables. And that's what ended SmackDown this week. It and was we, a nice improv for Ziggler too. Like he's like, oh crap, this thing didn't break. What can we do without it looking stupid? So he just came up and just jumped straight up really high and elbowed Reigns in the chest. and looked good. Yeah. And severed his spine apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so we also get announced that John Morrison will go one-on-one next week with Big E. I hope it's as entertaining as our commentary this week. Yeah. Uh, but that was SmackDown. Um, I When I was watching the show, I told Matt that it was basically everything that happened last week, just like the next step of it, which isn't bad. But like I said last week, it was good, but just a little, well, it was boring. It was good stuff, if that makes any sense. But it was boring, essentially. Yeah. Uh, nothing bad. Uh, this show was more entertaining in parts. But I also, I believe, said this during like the first hour that I was watching. The second hour drug a little longer and then it got boring. And like I said, this main event ended in a DQ. So I, I can't give it a much better grade than last week. It, it was trending upward like it might be more entertaining, but 
it didn't finish that way. So I give it like a C plus. Okay. If I had to grade it, it was just okay. Like I really just want to see them. I don't know. Just do something more. I enjoy the storytelling that they're doing with like these short, like obviously the Mandy and Oda stuff is great. And even the, you know, the main event stuff is good. The Daniel Bryan Fiend stuff's pretty good. The Ms. New Day, like they've got programs, long-term stories, which is what people want in WWE. It's just so by the books. And I don't know. It's just nothing. Like, it's just kind of like a small, a small step each week. There's not anything of note that like stands out. So keep doing it, but find a way to make it better is what my critique would be. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I watched SmackDown as well. And I, I do agree with you. It was a little boring. Um, It's difficult because raw was the boring show for so long and raw is getting better now. And SmackDown has become the boring show, which is funny because SmackDown is technically now the a show because it's on Fox. So it, it's always it's kind of seemed like the show they try to push more becomes more boring. I think it's maybe because maybe upper management gets more involved and they're trying to, to tighten everything and it just becomes boring. That's a fair assessment. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll give them credit for the, like I said, they're doing, you know, long-term stories, which I mean, I'm all for that. But like I said, it's just, they just kind of take small steps every week and, I don't know, like maybe, maybe it's the stuff in the middle too. Cause like the, like obviously the Kobe mismatch wasn't, you know, anything special. Uh, the main event ended in a DQ and it was just kind of craziness for the sake of craziness. Strowman Nakamura wasn't anything to ride home on. So I don't know. They, they, they need something. I don't know what exactly more entertaining matches possibly would help, but we'll see. Yeah. So let's move on to Raw and let's talk about the B show, the historical, it's been WWE's A show for decades now, and it's now the B show, and it's better than it's been in a long time. And when we were originally talking and we decided to have Micah join us, and he goes, cool, I'll do AEW, and I'm like, okay. That means I have to do one of the WWE shows. No, what and I said is, if you want me to be on here, I'm doing AEW. <laughs> That's correct. So you bribed us. You brought you like, you know, I, I love, I love you guys. You're my family, and uh, the only way I'm doing this is if I get to AEW. Absolutely. I don't want to. I don't want to review a show that I don't enjoy every week. <laughs> but I will say, I would have been okay with doing Raw this week, but I didn't. Raw, yeah, yeah, it was it, fun. It's it good. Yeah. So I'm sitting here, and I'm like, okay, that means I get to do either Raw or SmackDown. And so I'm like, whatever, I don't even care. So I wound up with Raw, and I don't remember how that happened. So the first couple weeks that I did it was it kind of struggling, but it's gotten better. It really, really has. And I don't know if it's Paul Heyman riding the ship. I know that according to all the dirt sheets, he has had a lot to do with Lashley and Lana. So I don't want to sit here and sing Paul Heyman's praises because that's the worst storyline in the WWE in years, in my opinion. And uh, I don't know. It was pretty good. So the show opens up. Randy Orton comes out and he goes, hey, I was com- I was told to come out here and get you guys excited for WWE Raw. But excited isn't really something I do 
So I'm just going to call out AJ Styles. He calls out AJ. They have a nice little back and forth. And instead of starting their match, Drew McIntyre comes out. And he he says, AJ, before he comes out, AJ and uh, Randy Orton were talking about how you know AJ did the RKO last week and they were arguing over who does it better. And Drew McIntyre says, I see you guys are having an RKO measuring contest. <coughs> My Claymore is bigger. And I'm like, okay. And I snickered. And maybe I shouldn't have. I'm 33 now. I'm not 13 anymore. But I thought it was funny. It was clever. And Drew McIntyre's really winning me over. Like, I don't know if he's, like, supposed to be turning face. But with me, he is. And I'm, I'm down with it. It's good. And so he gets the crowd to pop for him. Because he says, guys, you want to see the three of us talk all night? And they boo. And he says, do you want to see us fight? And huge uproar. And he says, well, seems like we need to give the fans what they want. He gets in the ring. Michael Cole says, Randy Orton, AJ Styles was supposed to have a one-on-one match. But now Drew McIntyre's here. And it's become a triple threat. I don't know how Drew McIntyre has the power to do that. But whatever. It was fine. I just imagine whenever Drew McIntyre was polling the crowd, the WWE uh, writers backstage or whoever is in charge, Paul Heyman, they were just like furiously writing notes. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. They, they don't like talking. They like wrestling. Because <laughs> they're always sending out these surveys like via email, like asking fans' yep. opinions on stuff. I've and, gotten them before. Yeah, Multiple so I, I can just imagine them actually writing down the answer to that question. Yep. Okay, yeah, this is what this is what this is the reaction we're getting. Yeah, perfect. The ending was pretty cool. So Orton hits an RKO on AJ, and then Drew McIntyre immediately claymores him in the face and covers, I believe, AJ for the win. One, two, three. Drew McIntyre gets a clean win over AJ Styles and Randy Orton on Monday Night Raw. So mm-hmm. this is the year of Drew McIntyre. Hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I, I really like this match. And honestly, Randy and AJ had me forgetting this was even a triple threat. And then when Drew McIntyre popped back in with a Claymore kick, I was like, wait, wait, where did he come from? Yeah, it was, is he, it was really is he still good. still the match? It really was great. Clever. I thought it was very well executed. Yeah, it really was. And we come back from break and the announcers are hyping the fist fight. Yeah. So we see the Authors of Pain. They're warming up backstage. Seth Rollins comes in. And he... He's... Okay, so you guys know that when in WWE, when you cut a promo, you have to kind of stand like with your chest and your like your the front of you facing the camera, and then you turn your head the way that your head needs to be turned to whoever you're looking at or what you're looking at. Well, Seth Rollins just ignores all that, but he doesn't turn his back to the camera. He faces the camera. The authors of pain are behind him, and he talks to the authors of pain while staring at the camera. Now, I will admit. This gave a nice visual. It really did. But it was just weird, man. It was just weird. And I get that it's a TV show, but wrestling is a different animal. And if you want us to believe that it's real, you can't do weird stuff like this. I, I don't know. But he goes on. He talks about how he's the Monday Night Messiah, which is his new nickname. I think everyone called him you know, Wrestling Jesus anyway because he kind of looks like Jesus if Jesus had a really weird-looking neck. And then so he talks about how this is their fate. No one can stop them. We are unstoppable because this is our destiny. I have sacrificed more than anyone can understand to guarantee that this, this destiny remains intact. It was a 
pretty good promo. Uh, Hill Rollins is better than Face Rollins. Just That's just the way it is. Ricochet has his terrible interest music that they have ruined pew. because it was amazing. But they did the pew, and then they cut out the, the first couple seconds, and now it just sounds generic. I never thought Ricochet could be just another guy, as he is he's special. Ricochet is something, and he's just another guy to me. Do you guys see that too? No, he's the one and only. I don't know what you're talking about. He's the one and only, just another guy. I don't know. Like he, I don't get <laughs> he's excited a real about life Ricochet. superhero. Man, I'm telling you, like I don't get excited about seeing Ricochet because they push this crap down our throat, and I don't, I don't understand the point. I just uh, NXT Ricochet was great. Lucha Underground Ricochet was great. You know and why? WWE Ricochet has been mediocre because he was Ricochet. That's all he needed to be was Ricochet. Yeah. Just like Will Ospreay is great because he's Will Ospreay. Yep. But no, he's he's got to be the one and only or another, like a, a real life superhero or the, you know, the Ricochet sound effect. I don't, I don't know what they're trying to just make him Ricochet. Like just get it. It's just like Aleister Black. Like they had to make him into something. But he said he's best and he's getting standing ovation for the fans when he's just in the ring doing his thing. Yeah. It's easy. I know. It really is. And I think that the other way around, you know, because you can say, you can we can give examples all day, Viking Raiders, of people that left NXT, came to a main roster, and have just kind of floundered. At least but, they're winning. Yeah. But let's talk about the other way around. Let's talk about someone that left WWE and became a megastar. Look at John Moxley. Look what became of John Moxley, who is a similar, not the same, but a similar character. And now he's one of, if not the biggest star in all of professional wrestling. And all he had to do was leave the biggest company in the world. Or Cody Rhodes, he went and started another company. Yep. It yeah. just it makes no sense. Anyway, Ricochet hit the recoil, but instead of pinning Mojo Raleigh, he does the 630. He gets the win. The Street Profits are backstage, and they hype up the show. They want the smoke, and they go to Charlotte Flair's entrance. Charlotte Flair is wrestling Sarah Logan, and here's what's funny. Uh, why? <laughs> exactly. Last week, they fought outside, and we all knew it was going to happen. Charlotte Flair was going to beat Sarah Logan next week, right? We all mm -hmm. knew it. She beat her in like two and a half minutes. So this big push they've given to Sarah Logan, new music, big intro, let her fight outside with the second biggest women superstar and one of the biggest stars in all of WWE. Lost in two and a half minutes. Yeah. I just don't get it. I, and I'd be okay with her losing. I really would, even with the new look and the new music, to Charlotte Flair in a competitive match. And I'm not saying she should go 15 minutes with her because, you know, you got to build Sarah Logan back up. She's been a joke for so long and she was missing for so long. But, oh my gosh. Like, what is the point? Why even have her back on TV? Just keep her with the same Riot Squad music and have her job if you're going to do this. I don't get it. Yeah. Or or just have her win some matches first and then have her go up against Charlotte. Like, I don't get, I don't really want her to have competitive matches with her if she's just, just coming back to do matches. Right. I think she would have to prove herself first. But yeah, like, put her against Natalia. Put her against somebody else. Let her win one or two matches. That's all it needs. And then have her go up against Charlotte and then have a competitive match. And then she could lose. And you could be like, oh, okay, you know, that's something. Right. This is nothing. It's yeah. just 
wrestling for the sake of wrestling. And it's the second week they've done this. It's the second week she's been killed. Yeah. Pointless. I mean, it's basically just filler at this point. Right. It, exactly what it is. So they'll have Sarah Logan with her new music in the Royal Rumble, I guess. She'll probably last for four or five minutes and she'll get eliminated by, I don't know, Sasha Charlotte. Banks. Yeah, probably <laughs> Charlotte. Yeah. And then they'll have a one-on-one match at WrestleMania and Charlotte will win in 14 seconds. Yep. So we come back from the break. Kevin Owens is backstage talking to Samoa Joe and he's like a fist fight. I don't even know the rules. What are we supposed to be doing? And I'm like, thank you, Kevin Owens. Because Kevin Owens is basically all fans and he's telling Lana to shut up. He's going, this match is stupid. There's no rules. It, it He's great. And Samoa Joe's like, man, don't worry about it. We've got the biggest fist on our side. And then Big Show comes up and puts his fist next to Kevin Owens' head. And I'm telling you, it's almost as big as Kevin Owens' head. He said it's a size 7X fist, which I guess would be a glove size. And uh, he says he's going to reintroduce that fist to Seth Rollins' head again tonight. And as he walks away, Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe marvel at how large Big Show's hand is. Samoa Joe even says it looks like a ham. And uh, it was a great line. This segment was great. I wish Otis would have popped up when he said that. <laughs> just make a cameo. From the bottom of the camera? You know, or maybe like in the background, like you could barely see him. He's just like staring at Big Show now. I heard somebody <laughs> say ham. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of things that are great. Brock Lesnar's segment. Brock Lesnar, now, you guys might hate this. This has been a love or hate, and I don't think anyone was indifferent to this. Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman come out, and they don't really have anything to say. They're just buying time. The crowd is booing them, and they just leave. They just leave before they really start their promo, and then they get back in. Paul Heyman says he's going to start over, and oh my gosh, the chorus of boos that these guys have. I mean, it is so, so great. Paul Heyman is magical at working the crowd. And he goes about how Brock Lesnar is going to win the Rumble. And then our truth comes out. You heard me right. Former TNA world champion, Ron the Truth, our truth killings, comes out and gets in the ring. And he says that just like his childhood hero, John Cena, who taught him to never give up, he won't. And he is going to enter the Royal Rumble and win it. And he and and Brock Lesnar is laughing his butt off. Paul Heyman just looks annoyed. And they are both selling this as good or better than R-Truth is. And R-Truth is a genius in these comedy segments. And Truth basically says, look, I know you're big, I know you're tough, but I am going to throw you over the top rope. Paul Heyman! And then the crowd laughs, Lesnar loses it. And I I wonder if Lesnar is legitimately laughing here and not putting this on, because the dude, he loses it. And Paul Heyman like stares at truth, like he's the dumbest human being to ever step foot on the face of the earth. And Paul Heyman says, what are you talking about, you idiot? I'm not in the Royal Rumble match. Brock Lesnar is in the Royal Rumble match. And R-Truth goes, oh, well, I guess I'm going to back out and I'm not putting my name in there for the Royal Rumble. And everyone laughed. The first person to undeclare for the Royal Rumble. Yeah, it was so good. 
<laughs> and so he starts dancing. Lesnar lays him out. We go to commercial. We come back. And then the, the referees are helping our truth to the back. And I literally say to my beautiful wife, why is no one out here trying to pin him? But as True. you know, the night was not over for Mojo Rawley, who came, decked Truth, and pinned him, and is now the 24-7 title. And he says, I'm not going anywhere. I'll take on all comers. Come out and fight me. And nobody did. I love this. Yeah, I, honestly, I think this is my favorite Raw segment I've seen in a long time. It's so so it good. so good. The only the only thing is they really missed a chance to have a buddy cop movie of R Truth and Brock Lesnar, <laughs> where Brock Lesnar is there on his farm defending R Truth with a hunting <laughs> rifle, and R Truth goes on to have the longest reign of any twenty four seven forty eight by seven seven eleven i ninety five South Kentucky champion. That would have been great. However, I will take this as a uh, as a small token of of uh, Raw's appreciation of my watching. It was I, so I, good. It was great. I loved it. It was so good. So we go to a video from earlier today, and Charlie Caruso is interviewing Lana and Bobby and about what happened at their wedding. And they say they have two resolutions for 2020. One, they've accepted the fact that everyone, including Charlie, is jealous of their love and success. That is not a resolution. And then number two, they're going to crush Rusev and they walk away. I'm like, this is what this should be because we do not need all of this drama, bullcrap. This was fine. Then we get Bobby Lashley versus Rusev. And this match was okay. And I think okay is a fair thing to say about it because it wasn't bad, but it certainly wasn't good. Rusev is incredible. He's... He, it's just so good with the fans, and he can really read them very well. And uh, he's putting a beating on Bobby, and then Bobby eventually gets the upper hand on Rusev. Liv Morgan comes out, and she meets Lana at ringside. They stare each other down. Lana pours, like, she, like, grabs a Coke from the fan, a fan, and then chunks it at Liv Morgan's face, and she yells at her and screams at her, and then... Rusev, for some reason, is distracted by this. I do not know why he would care. And Bobby Lashley levels him with a spear. One, two, three. He's it's, he's just another dumb baby face. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's got to look out for his wife's ex-lover. I mean, it yes. made seriously. More sense. It made more sense on SmackDown when Alexa was distracted by this fat man coming down the ramp rubbing cake all over yeah, himself. I do get that. I would also be distracted by that. Yeah, and, and Mandy quickly wrote it wasn't like she was standing there like walking toward the apron to like she had her hand on Mandy, but she was, you know, shortly distracted by this, you know, crazy man rubbing cake on himself. And then she was rolled up. Well, or Rusev is just like completely distracted for no reason. For a long and he gets time. Beat. I like I don't know. I, I'm I'm just done with this. I hated this. Just yeah, me too. So the match was fine, uh, but it made Rusev look dumb. But you know what? It's WWE fans, and it's WWE as a whole. It, they go week to week, and it could change next week. He could look good next week, and everyone will cheer him again. I'll be very surprised, but we'll see. So we go to another commercial break. We come back. It's another Rusev day, I guess. Yes. Charlie's backstage with Bobby and Lana, and she says, or. Lana says they have a big problem. Liv Morgan 
And she says, how dare Liv disrespect her? And she challenges them to a, uh, challenges Liv and Rusev to a mixed tag match. And then Bobby said, what, what are you doing? Why would you do this? I just beat Rusev. You want me to beat him again and protect you at the same time? And Lana says, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm a supermodel. I'm special. I'm famous. Not Liv. I am the one that matters here. And I will not be disrespected. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, just please get her off of my television. But Bobby Lashley looked kind of irritated. So could there be trouble in paradise? We'll see. If you remember on backstage, CM Punk booked Lashley and Rusev to be a tag team. Because they both got so sick of Lana and have a baby face turn for Lashley. Uh, Stan Punk is an absolute jewel, and I, I love that. I, don't, there's, I can't imagine them doing that. But I can see Lashley and Lana breaking up, maybe even by WrestleMania. Are you talking about Twitter, CM Punk? No, he said that on uh, WWE Backstage. Okay. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was good. So we go, Viking Raiders have an open challenge. It's the Singh Brothers. It's basically another squash match. Moving on. Uh, Rusev and Liv Morgan are backstage and, uh, uh, Rusev says, come in my face, Bobby Lashley, and I will fight you. And Liv Morgan is wet. Come in my face. Come in my face, Bobby Lashley, and I will fight you. The double entendres are ridiculous, aren't they? (laughs) I mean, and I I could kind of see, you could kind of see it in his eyes after he said it. He's like, whoops, didn't mean to do that. It was, it was really great. Um, Liv says she- I, I thought it was great. I thought both of them. They, that's the thing. It's what's so disappointing to me. I like Rusev a lot. I like Liv and you know what? I like Lashley and Lana, not necessarily in this right story, but I mean, Bobby Lashley was great when he's an impact. Lana can be good on the mic. I mean, she's, she used to talk, you know, she used to be the talker of the group with Rusev and Lana. So everybody in this feud has capabilities but they're just like making it so dumb and like the crowd was dead during their match. Like it's, I don't know. It's just so frustrating. And then they have this promo and they actually both did a good, like live did a good job with it. Uh, Rusev is just, you know, he's good at doing this stuff, but I, I hated the match. Uh, the feud is, you know, just continues to be dumb. I, I don't know. I, I hope that it's good someday. <laughs> Obviously the Brian Roman Reigns story and all that thing, like it eventually came around. They had like a good couple matches, but right. That's all I can hope for at this point. Yeah. We'll cross your fingers and say a prayer. That's all we can do. So Becky Lynch comes out and she cuts promo. Oscar comes out. Oscar speaking Japanese. I'm just going to run through this really quickly. Kyrie Saints with Oscar, just kind of taunting Becky and then Becky kind of threatens her. She gets out of the ring. They both sign the contract. My wife says, why do we have these contract signings? They are literally the most boring segment that I've ever seen. They're all bad. And she's right. And then so Asuka spews mist in Becky's hair. Or excuse me, in Becky's face. And uh, the Kabuki Warriors walk away. But Becky Lynch, like she sells this like she has been. like It's almost as if. Someone unscrewed a, a screw from their jacket and jabbed her in the eye. I mean, it's like, who would do that? And so she sold it like hardcore. And like the, the trainers are pouring water in her eyes. And she she finally pushes them off. And she cuts a really solid promo 
and she's smacking the camera. She's tossing the mic. She's got that swagger back that Becky Lynch has been missing because she was doubting herself when it came to being able to defeat Asuka. And I, I like this segment. She cut a good promo, but again, like the whole character of Becky being down on herself out of nowhere. I think it's just, it's just stupid. Like, why is she suddenly, she's the, she was the man. And it's not like, you know, Oscar, she sprayed Mr. Face and they cheated. Like I'd get why I'd piss her off, but just to be like, why would she be doubting herself now all of a sudden? She's the champion. I mean, Oscar could be, you know, going after her and, you know, they could, you know, she could say, I want to, you know, I remember you beating me last year and I want to get that win back. And, you know, Oscar keeps foiling her when she tries to attack her or something. But like Becky just saying that she has no confidence. She, she was the man like all last year. Right. And now she has no confidence. What, what I took the promo is, is basically she got comfortable at the top and she didn't really have, I guess, a fire inside of her to keep fighting because she just got comfortable and, and complacent. But now she's angry at Asuka, so she's going to murder her. But it's not like she's been like losing a bunch or something. It's not like an Omega situation where he came out and said, I've been losing. I need to get my, you know, crap together. And, you know, he's been winning now. Like it's it was nothing there's nothing that she didn't lose her title. Okay. There's nothing it's just like suddenly they made her unconfident for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, WWE would you be can make some sense out of it if you like try and force it, but I mean it's just dumb. Yeah. I don't think there's any way to get around it. Like it's so I'm, it was a good promo cause she's talented. She's, you know, but I just couldn't get into it because I just think it's done. Like this whole character of her being unconfident. Like I said, I, it does not work for me at all. Yeah. So we move on to Andrade and Zelina Vega. They're backstage with Sarah. And Zelina Vega says that Rey Mysterio is a criminal and they're pressing charges over that brutal attack that happened last week. They talk about how he is an embarrassment to the Hispanic population. And they say that they're, they announced that there's a match next week. And it's a ladder match for the United States title, Andrade versus Rey Mysterio. And I am here for this. Then we go Charlie backstage with Rey. And he talks about how Andrade is a piece of crap. And he says, how dare he talk about the Hispanic, his Hispanic heritage. Andrade tried to take out Humberto Carrillo, who is one of the brightest young up-and-coming Hispanic stars in all of the world. And Ray said he's all for the idea of a ladder match, even though it might take years off his career, which is funny because I think it was last week he said that he was you know, only going to be wrestling for a couple more months or something like that. It, obviously, it was a slip of the tongue. but And yeah, I mean, it was it was... Rey Mysterio did a great job. Zelina Vega did a fine job. I'm super stoked for the match next week. So, yeah, I'm down for it. Yeah, I agree. I think it was good. I'll be tuning in for that match. 100%. Aleister Black versus Buddy Murphy. And some people have said, this is the worst match the two have had together. Well, let me tell you, the worst match that Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy have together is better than almost anyone else in all of the WWE, period. The other people could have their best matches against each other, and these guys' worst are better. This match was awesome. It was so good. Yes, the ending was botched. 
I know, I get it. I don't care. It was great. It's like saying, uh, this was Usain Bolt's slowest world record. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it was It was so good. The ending was great. The, suppo- the What was supposed to be the ending is Buddy Murphy picks up Aleister Black with his foot, like Aleister Black does, goes for a black mass, Aleister Black ducks, and Black masses Buddy Murphy's head off. It was awesome. He goes for the pin, and the ref just stops counting... And I don't understand. And they do that in AEW too. They've messed it up multiple times. And it's so frustrating. Like, that's your whole job. I don't get it. It's a finisher. Just count. And if the guy doesn't get his shoulder up, that's the wrestler's fault. Be a referee. So he stops counting. And then Aleister Black looks at him like he's an idiot. He picks Buddy Murphy up. Buddy Murphy's like on his knees saying, come at me. Black masses him in the face again and gets the three count. And so Alistair Black's like finisher that has been super protected is just no, uh, that was a big botch to it. It's very frustrating. Yeah, but it's raw. So it's probably going to be forgot about in a week. Exactly. That's what I just <laughs> yeah. said. People bury AEW for this, but it really won't be a big issue with, with raw in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you say like, just, just count. Just count the three. I will say there are certain referees that don't count well. They right. count too fast on the one-two and then drag for the three or, or, or vice versa. And and on that case, I would say it's probably the referee's fault. But this this just count to three. I mean, it was a perfect three count. Yeah. It, it was already the way the match was supposed to end. It was the same, same ending. I mean, a little different ending, but the same uh, result. They should just do their job. And if the guy doesn't kick out because he's dead or knocked out or something, then count the pinfall. Yeah. Like, it's not that hard. Count to three, literally. Yeah, and that, that looks and really bad. Leave it to like the riders that. to figure out the rest. Yeah. Yeah, so many people, so many refs have just gotten caught because they don't think it's supposed to be the finish or can't remember or something, or it's not supposed to be, but maybe the wrestlers decided that it is because, I mean, maybe just look cool. And they're like, oh, we're just going to do it anyway. And, these dumb refs just stop the pin mid count. It's like, well, you just ruined the match. <laughs> you just ruined the illusion. Like just count to three. It's the yeah. easiest solution. So stupid. Uh, we have Eric Rowan versus an enhancement talent. I don't know his name. I don't care. I'm not going to tell you about the match. Eric Rowan wins. He did go into his cage at some point and put his hand in the cage, trying to pet whatever the heck's in there and screamed, brought his hand back out. His hand was all bloody. Uh, right before the match started as Eric Rowan. What a moron. Exactly. As Eric Rowan was coming to the ring, uh, Charlie, and I actually didn't know this, I had to go back and watch it because I skip, I always skip these enhancement matches, so I didn't know that this happened until I read about it. So apparently uh, they interviewed Buddy Murphy, and Charlie's like, Buddy, can I, can I, you know, you seem distraught, tell me what's on your mind. He goes, Charlie, just not right now. Like, the biggest baby face in the world, like, he was like, you know, I can't handle this. And Charlie goes, are you sure? Is there anything, you know, you can tell me? And he goes, no, not now, Charlie. And because he's the biggest baby face in the world, she like pats him on the shoulder and it's like, it's okay, buddy, whenever you're ready, and walks away. I'm like, that's fine, but he's supposed to be like this, you know, mean, terrible person and like she's being super nice to him. And he was, you know, he was acting distraught. He was acting like he needed it, and that's fine. But I don't know, it was a little weird, but the payoff was great. So after the Rowan match, we have your main event. 
and it was a fist fight. And all it was was a 3v3 last man standing match that you didn't count to 10. The, the, the referee was just like, I'm, the referee decides when the, the team can't you know continue, which is what happened at Hell in a Cell. And it was so great, they decided to put it on Monday Night Raw. How could it go wrong? Seth Rollins and the ref making the finish. I mean, exactly. Name a better duo. I do want to point out that Kevin Owens, and I'm stealing this from someone on Twitter, Kevin Owens did something that Ricochet is angry that he didn't think of and runs up the Raw stage like parkour. And parkour, Ford parkour. Flips, yeah, Ford flips on the Authors of Pain. It was great. And Samoa Joe did something that some wrestlers have been doing recently and I really love is instead of like, you know, sitting there and waiting for the guy to jump on you, your teammate is sitting there and he pulls the enemies together and holds on to them until your his teammate jumps on, you know, the enemies, which I think is smart. And I get that, you know, they need to be there to protect people, but it, it makes it look, it just, it just keeps the illusion up. It's nice. It looks so much better when they do yeah. that. Yeah. Like my least favorite was when Moxley wrestled, I think it was Darby Allen. And like he saw like where he was about to jump off. And no, it was, it was Omega. It was Kenny Omega. And he saw that he was about to jump over the top rope like Kenny was doing his Terminator thing. And Moxley staring straight at the guy. And then I'm like, oh, Moxley sees him. He's going to reverse it. And so Kenny finishes his Terminator thing, gets up, you know, kicks up like he does, bounces off. And then Moxley's like standing there as Kenny Omega jumps over the top. And like as amazing as that match was, and I loved it, that spot was not good. And that's been happening moderately, frequently. So when they have stuff like this where you can hold on to your, part- your partner or-, or hold on to your opponents as your partner jumps on them, it just makes it look better. Anyway, long tangent, whatever. Uh, Samojo also had a spot where he did a uh, senton onto a table on one of the Authors of Pain guys. It was awesome. The ending... With Big Show and Seth Rollins in the ring, everyone else is laid out. And Big Show is controlling Seth Rollins, and Seth Rollins gets knocked out of the ring. Buddy Murphy is still sitting out there. And he goes, buddy, buddy, help us, buddy. Help us, buddy. We need you. And he gets in the ring, and Rollins is attacking the Big Show. And then as the Big Show is controlling Seth Rollins, he gets hit in the nuts by Buddy Murphy. And... They throw the Big Show through a table. He gets stomped. And Buddy Murphy has joined Seth Rollins. And it was one of the best endings that I've seen to Raw in a long, long time. I loved this. Now, to be fair, Buddy Murphy is my absolute favorite up-and-comer in all of the WWE. So maybe I'm biased. What did you guys think of this ending? I really liked it. Um, I don't know a lot about Buddy Murphy, uh, but the I think two or three matches I've seen of him, he's a fantastic performer. Oh yeah. I thought I thought the spot where he was outside of the ring. I mean, I don't know a lot about his character, so I don't know the way he should act. But I thought he handled that very well. It um, made it very believable. But I'm I'm really liking Seth Rollins as a heel. I'm liking this faction, and I think that Buddy Murphy being near Seth Rollins will bring him more towards the top of the card, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm a fan of Buddy Murphy. I have been for a while. I mean, even you know his 205 Live days of obscurity 
when he was the best kept secret. Uh, I've liked him since then. He's always put on great matches. I think he's finally getting rewarded for it. Uh, my only hope is that Mr. Alistair Black also gets involved with Samojo and Kevin Owens because I just think that would be great. Yeah. Uh, has th- all the potential in the world. Obviously, it's WWE, so you never know. They could make them into losers, but here's to hoping it goes well, and I'm crossing my fingers because I think that'd be huge. So I'm all for it. Yeah. So if I'm grading this show, and I'm not going to lie to you guys, freaking loved it. And if they dropped the jobber matches and Lana and Lashley and just made this a two-hour show, I might seriously consider giving it an A+. The highs were so high. It was just so good. The R-Truth and Lesnar segment, one of my favorite wrestling, not just WWE, wrestling segments in recent memory. So, so good. The triple threat match, great. Buddy Murphy, Aleister Black, great. Weird fist fight that I had absolutely no expectations for, fun. With an awesome... Swerve. Swerve. There you go. That's what I'm looking for. So I really, even the stuff that I didn't love, I still enjoyed. So I'm going to give this show an A minus. And if, oh my gosh, like I had so much fun with it. And I'm legitimately excited to watch Raw next week. Like I can't wait to see what Buddy Murphy's going to do with Seth Rollins and AOP. And in six months' time, when Buddy Murphy when Buddy Murphy turns face, I'm really excited for that. It's going to be so great. I, this is the kind of stuff that SmackDown probably needs. They need twists and turns that, like, you can possibly understand, but you know, might not be the obvious because they've been doing. I guess they've been doing a lot of the obvious, so that's kind of been their biggest issue. I'm not as big of a fan of Raw this week as you were. I wouldn't give it an A. I'd give it a B, B plus. Like I said, I hated the Lashley, Rusev stuff. The main event was fun, and you know, like the the ending, I I liked, and I like where it's going. But it was supposed to be a fist fight, but it was just a hardcore match. Nobody knew the rules. Yeah, it was just like a gimmick that WWE like thought of, and then like just didn't know what to do. So like the whole fist fight thing was just stupid. It was, like, but the match was it, fun. It, it just make it a hardcore match. It's all it was essentially. So, and they basically they barely even use their fists. So, like no more than normal. So, it, it, but it wasn't a bad match. So, you know, it could have been a dumb fist fight concept with being a bad match, and it wasn't that. So, I, I'll give it a B, leaning towards a B plus if I had to grade it. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. It, it's it was entertaining. Uh, it definitely had some good highs, had some lows, but it had its good highs. Uh, SmackDown, like I said, was just, if you're comparing the two, it was just kind of a straight line. Like, they they need more of this, yeah. for sure. Yeah. The fist fight could have been Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar. Right. So, you count your blessings. Yeah, that's uh, true. I, I would also give the show a B plus. I'm I'd rather see a real fist fight between Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar. Yeah, where Cain beats yeah. him in 30 seconds. It'd be a better match. Yeah, that's probably true. So, AEW, I'm interested to see what you think, because I was also high on it this week. So tell us a little bit about Dynamite, Micah. 
All right. Everybody knows last week wasn't my favorite show. Probably my least favorite show of AEW history. Mine too. But this week we have Bash at the Beach on TNT featuring DDP and Dustin Rhodes. And yes, the year is 2020. It's not the 90s. This is just how life is now. This is wrestling in 2020. It's, It's coming back. All right, so to open up the show, we're already in the ring. Everybody's there. We got the four way number one contender tag match. You got Hangman and Kenny. You got the Young Bucks. You got the best friends. And you got Santana and Ortiz. I think this was a fantastic matchup. I, it was, it was, people, people complain about Spot Fest. So if you're one of those people, you're not going to like this match. 100%. But I'm not one of those people. So I love this match. I thought it was great. You saw all of the talent being being shown and, and displayed. Everybody got a spot. I mean, it was like Oprah Winfrey handing out spots. It was like, you get a spot, you get a spot. It was, it was crazy, the whole match. It was hard to follow at some points. I mean, it may be one of those matches you want to watch more than once. But uh, I, I love the match. Not only was it a spot fest, it was a storytelling match. You had a lot of tension between Hangman and the Young Bucks. Uh, you had a... Uh, Basically, jumping because we don't have a whole lot of time, but jumping forward to the ending of the match, um, you had the Young Bucks coming in and uh, basically Ultimate Warrior style, just laying everybody out. They took control of the match. You know, they just they they had it in the bag. Well, Matt Jackson's coming off the ropes. Hangman makes a blind tag on his back, and that makes Matt visibly upset. He's kind of confused. Uh, and then Paige and Omega hit the V trigger buckshot lariat combo, which is a fantastic. Tag move. It's so and cool looking. Nobody ever needs to kick out of that thing. That it, you're, you're dead at that point. Uh, they, he got Chucky T down, and Hangman got the pin for the win. I was not expecting that. I did like it, and I'm looking forward to next week with them in SCU. Um, after the match, you had uh, the Bucks were visibly upset with Paige. I would say uh, they still shook hands, and you see Kenny trying to talk him down a little bit. But there are definitely still some issues and some resentment there. Um, as Paige is leaving, he again takes a drink from the audience, as as he does now. I thought it was great. Kenny takes it away. Paige goes back and grabs another drink. And uh, I, I really love the chemistry that Kenny and, and Hangman have. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more later with a later segment. But I love this match. Love the ending segment. Love the story it told. You don't get much better than that in a four-way tag match, in my opinion. And I'm not usually a fan of four-way tags, but I, th- I thought it was really good. It was, it was really good. good. My favorite spot was when the Young Bucks were going over everyone, and they like went to super kick Hangman, but they stopped. Yeah, and he stopped. Yeah. yeah. You also had the one spot where Matt's just getting destroyed, and he goes to tag Hangman, and, and Kenny are sitting there with their hands outstretched. Like, come on, man, we'll, we'll get you out. And he looks, and he almost goes to Hangman, and he looks over at Kenny and tags in Kenny, and Hangman's just like, oh. Yeah. And he, he plays such a good, like, he, he, he makes you feel bad for him. Like, you really feel like, you know, you know sometimes you have that friend group where you want to hang out with them, but you also kind of feel like maybe they don't like you. Then they do, but, you know, sometimes you can convince yourself that, no, they're not really, they're just, they feel bad for me. You know, they just pity me. I feel, feel like Hangman's kind of in that position and I think they're telling a great story with his character. Yeah. But uh, I don't want to take too much time with it, so we'll move on. Okay. Uh, next, we have uh, Cody come out for another great promo. 
Uh, he used a lot of insider terms in this promo, which some people were kind of iffy on, but I don't mind it too much. Uh, he mentioned how MJF was on the Rosie O'Donnell show, which I thought was great. I was waiting for that to come out. Uh, he really just went in on MJF in this promo, uh, which is great. I'm, I'm glad to see Cody actually talking for himself this week. And I think my assumption from last week was correct. The only reason that Arn Anderson did the talking for him was just so they could delay it a week. 100%. Yep. Have it at Bash in the Beach, which, you know, they've done a couple times, but hey, they got to make the ratings, you know. They, they got to get that three year extension. Uh, they did. But, uh, they did. Uh, Cody then says basically that old guys like MJF call them a true old school heel. They say less is more, but really the only reason MJF does less is because he's not able to do more. He says that MJF should be carrying Wardlow's bags instead of the other way around. And that prompted the crowd to start chanting bag boy. And I don't think that chant's going away for a long time. I hope not. It's going to follow MJF and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Basically Cody accepted all of the stipulations and by the end of it promised to give MJF his own scar. Uh, I love this. I thought I think that Cody's delivery in his promos is second to none. Uh, you can tell he's laying the groundwork for a lot rolling forward in this promo. Really looking forward to the steel cage match with Wardlow. I really want to go to the show in Atlanta. I don't think I'll be able to. It's only three hours away, but it's on a Wednesday. It kind of kind of throws a wrench in it. But the steel cage, it's kind of drawing me in. But uh, yeah, I think that's going to be great. I thought that he kind of handled the the backlash to the lashings pretty well. He kind of basically agreed, like, hey, I, I, I think it's kind of dumb too, but, you know, I'll do whatever I can to get this match. Right. So, And, and a lot of people were also commenting, well, why, why is he doing this? Why, why isn't he just attacking MJF? And uh, he actually said on Twitter during a Q&A today that basically what, he's, what, he, what he thinks a baby face should be and a lot of people may may give him heat over this, but what he thinks a baby face should be is a true baby face. He doesn't think you should be halfway in, halfway out, which is kind of how his character started out, but I think he's he's going away from that now. Right. But he thinks that a good uh, character to base it off of is basically John Cena. Because really, as many people that hate John Cena, especially the older folks, he's the most over baby face of my lifetime. I mean – everybody loved John Cena right? for a while. I mean, it, it, he may have overstayed his welcome in top of the card, top baby face, but he, he was great in his time. So I think that's a great character for, for Cody to base off of. And I don't think Cody will ride the baby face way for too long. So we're going to enjoy it while we can. Right. After that, we go from great promo to Joey Janela promo. Uh, he said, it's a new year. And the first time anyone saw his face on TV this year, he was getting punched in the balls by his ex-girlfriend. He said that Penelope Ford can only make a name for herself and get herself over by mentioning him, riding his coattails, blah, blah, blah. He says he's the backbone of AEW. And uh, next week, everybody will see why Joey Janela is a bad, bad boy. Ugh. It was It's probably Janela's best promo. Agreed. But still not good. Yeah, it, it was, I think fine is the word for it. It was yeah, it was fine. But following Cody, especially yeah, it was it was okay. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on from an okay promo to generously, I will say, an okay match. Spoiler <laughs> alert: it it wasn't. <sighs> yeah, we have Chris Statlander, Hikaru Shida versus Brandy Rhodes and Mel. Uh 
I really think this match should be held accountable for the death of about 8,000 fans in Miami because this match killed the crowd. <laughs> this match was originally slated to have Kong and Mel versus Chris Statland and Hikaru Shida. Kong, shortly before the show, was announced that she was not medically cleared due to an illness. So I know that Brandy, I know Brandy's very green. I'm not going to give her, or I'm not going to give her a lot of... She's been wrestling for a while. She shouldn't be this green still. But she's not a wrestler. I just don't think she's any good. (laughs) Okay, but still, she she was thrown into this. So I'm going to give her some leeway. I know she wasn't ready for this. It was sprung on her. So what I'll say about this match is it's exactly as good as I was expecting it to be. So so bad. Yeah. It, it was <laughs> Honestly, I didn't hate it. I thought it was fine. I, I, I didn't. I mean, I, I know I'm maybe biased because I don't like. Mel did an okay job. I, I, th- I think that Mel was more impressive than you're giving her credit for. And Brandy isn't great, but she did better than I was expecting her to. Yeah, like I found out today in some of my research that Mel's actually like a twelve-year veteran. Yeah, I would not have get. I would have guessed two, maybe three years at the most. And you know, everybody complains about Britt Baker and her timing being off and her being green, but I think she's leagues ahead of Mel. Okay, and also Mel is not six three. Jr. tried to point that out like two or three times. She's got to be six two or six three. No, yeah. she's like five nine. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I don't see this faction really going anywhere as far as good matches because you've got Kong who really at this point, I know a lot of people like Kong. I know, Matthew, you like Kong. I think she's past her prime now. I don't know if she can put on a good performance. I haven't seen it yet in AEW. She's way past her prime. Yeah. And, and Mel, Did I don't see why she wasn't clear. Was it just because, I mean, she's been. Because like of an pretty, illness. Well, she's been pretty banged. Like, I'm surprised they're pushing her as much as they have. Like, I think she's like an appearance every now and then type person because she's had a history of, especially like nowadays, like she's, she's beaten up. Like she's had a long career. And I mean, from what I've heard, she's kind of, you know, I I wouldn't have been like when I first heard she was not in this match, I'd probably be like, but she probably just didn't pass the physical. I mean, she's lost weight and stuff over the last couple of years, which is great. But like that doesn't help your beat up body. Right. Like if you're beat up and you're beat up. And so, I mean, I didn't think she was going to be working a whole lot anyway when she was, you know, came in, but I wouldn't be surprised if she it just isn't ring, you know, clear to be in the ring really. Right. Yeah. That's, that's entirely possible. Uh, anyways, the match ended with Statlander hitting her package tombstone finisher for the pin. I love that finisher. I think it's great. So good. Hope she doesn't injure anybody with it because every time I think she's going to break their neck. Um, but you know, you know, she's two for two now, three for three. So hey, that's that's a good record. Yeah. Uh, after the match, we see Brandy berating Mel on the floor, uh, and I, I know the AEW tends to listen to their fans, and I'm hoping now we're kind of seeing a, a wedge being drawn between them. I know it's a little soon, but maybe this is a turning point for the faction, maybe a split, because I don't see any way possible for them to get this faction over with its current roster at least. They have to bring in somebody exciting. It's already it's it's such a negative in the crowd's equity. Right. I mean, the crowd isn't even booing them. They're just quiet. And that's that's worse. Yeah. You know, it, at least yeah. if you're getting booed, they're they're interested, but they're just completely disinterested in, in any time the Nightmare Collective comes out. Mikey, you said that you you think that this might be a, a turnaround. 
uh, I'm hoping they turn the car around and just go the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be <laughs> great. Uh, after that match, we have a dark order video package. I really liked it. Um, we hear the, the leader of the dark order, uh, mention going after Nakazawa, uh, Kenny Omega, Brandon Cutler and hangman page as potential recruits. Uh, I think the most likely in the future we'll see is Michael Nakazawa. And, uh, they even mentioned think, Kenny Omega a little bit. Yeah, I I think Brandon Cutler's already in the Dark Order, but maybe not because a lot of the stuff you see on BTE is hinting at it. But the fact that they mentioned him as a potential recruit kind of kind of throws you off. But yeah, no, I don't know. And I think they even have a match slated: uh, Dark Order versus Brandon Cutler and somebody. It may be Michael Nakazawa. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. So I won't. Okay. I won't say anything until I'm sure. We'll find out next week, I guess. Uh, anyways, up next, we have uh, Sammy Guevara entering. He did his cue card bit during the commercial. He's talking about how Moxley gave him an ulcer, and he needs to pay. And uh, on Fight TV, I, on, I don't know if you can yeah, – I know you can't hear this on TNT. On Fight TV, JR is commenting on, over this, and it, it's great. Um, for all his faults, JR is hilarious when he when he wants to be. Right. Uh, it, it was just like he was he was calling a match. He was like, oh, God, he's giving him ulcers. It was, it was, <laughs> I loved it. Uh, we then have exactly what I was hoping for, which is John Moxley rolling out in his brand new Ford GT, looking like he's straight out of Vice City. It was great. I loved it. I, I, I was so, so glad when I saw that car pulling out because I was, I was afraid they wouldn't budget for getting the car there. Right. But now they've got, what, $49 million to play with? So well, that's that's Shad Khan's. That's Tony's daddy's car. Yeah. But How long it, before they destroy it? It's well, not, I was, not happening, no. I, yeah, <laughs> I don't think they legally can. There's a lot of contracts go up, they go on when you buy one of those cars. Uh, John Cena actually got sued because he tried to sell his. Yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, so I was I was hoping in the later Tony bit, Khan better not tell anybody that, you know, the history of cars that debut in wrestling. Yeah, especially in a WCW-inspired uh, <laughs> promotion. Right. WWE. Austin frequently destroyed Vince McMahon's cars yeah, or Triple H's car or the Corvette. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, but uh, if we, you were we a had, car in the Attitude Era, you were getting destroyed. You're you're gone. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was a really good match. Obviously, Sammy Guevara so talented. He got a lot more offense in in this match than I thought he would. Same. Even control. Uh, I really. I really thought it would just be a few minute match with Moxley controlling the whole time, but there was yeah a majority portion of the match Guevara was in control, uh, and, and the finish even we saw Guevara go to the top rope, go for a moonsault, and Moxley kind of out of desperation caught him as he's landing and locks him in a rear naked choke, and t- Guevara just taps out immediately. I mean yep. he's done. Uh, it's really good match. A lot of lot of really good stuff by Guevara. We're definitely going to see him in the top of the card sooner rather than later he's very young very talented uh he's like f- six for six now i think in AEW. i think maybe give him a year he's going to be really towards the top yeah i agree super talented him and mjf both to be as young as they are darby allen as well which we'll get to but uh-huh. great great match uh after the match jericho's music hits the lights go out for quite a while and the lights come back on, and he's surrounded. Moxley, that is. Jericho, Hager, Santana, Ortiz, they all have him trapped in the ring. 
and Santana and Ortiz come at him with their loaded sock. Uh, Guevara slaps him, and then Hager hits him with a running low blow. Yep. Which looked very painful. Very Maybe painful. Maybe more painful than what happens next. What happens next is Chris Jericho has his pain maker jacket on with the spikes and everything. He removes one of the metal spikes from his jacket and spikes Moxley's right eye. And as soon as I saw him going for the spike, I knew this was going the way of Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors back in NWA. Yep. And you can really tell that uh, Tony Khan and obviously Cody and the rest of the EVPs are taking a lot of influence and redoing old angles. And that's okay because most of the new audience have no idea when they do it. That's correct. And the older audience loves it. I appreciate it. I like it. I thought this was a really powerful segment. thought it was really well done. And, uh, yeah, just, I liked everything about it. You know, I, I don't, I don't have any negatives about it. You know, last week's, uh, segment with Moxley in the inner circle, I wasn't a huge fan of it. felt drawn out. thought this was really well done. So, uh, after that, Jericho cuts a promo, uh, after the break backstage, he promised to do the same thing to Jungle Boy next week that he did to Moxley tonight. Uh, he made several jokes about Moxley's eye and being able to keep an eye on him. Uh, throughout this segment, though, again, AEW audio problems. Did you have guys experience that as well? Yep. Yeah, the mic was breaking up throughout the segment. But uh, you got the gist of what he was saying, but it, it lost a lot of luster, obviously. Um, favorite thing about the segment, though, is as they're walking away, Sammy G is eyeing Jen Decker and hitting on her, which I thought was great. That's his new thing now, I guess. I, I'm fine with it, you know. It's a good way to good way to be a young heel. Yep. Uh, we then go backstage. Yeah, go backstage, and uh, we have MJF making his entrance. He's wearing an eye banged Dallas's daughter shirt, which I thought was fantastic. Very Great very way. good. So good. And uh, out comes Matthew. I mean Michael. I mean Maxwell Jacob Freeman. Good job, Jr. Making his entrance. Seriously, I mean he's got to be trolling us at this point, right? He called him by three different first names. I mean, come on, Jr. It's, this is your job. I, mean, I thought all... I thought Jr. was doing his best uh, Merle Baker impression. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's our grandmother. That's a yeah. grandma joke, folks. Yep. <laughs> that nobody else gets that is listening to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Inside jokes make for great radio. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, basically getting into the match, MJFT's starting off with DDP, but basically beg no. So he starts out with QT instead. And really throughout the entire match, MJF plays a great coward heel, uh, as obviously as he would. He runs from any sort of danger, but as soon as he sees a chance to jump in a situation he thinks he can win, he's in there. Uh, I think QT did very good again in this match, and really he's won me over. He's definitely my favorite jobber. On the roster. Yeah. Isn't a great compliment, but still, take what you can get, QT. Uh, we see MJF use his ring against QT with the help of Wardlow, which prompts Justin, uh, sorry, Dustin Rhodes to get the tag. That's my JR moment. Uh, Dustin, Dustin was great as usual, but uh, he's kind of a punching bag for most of the match. Um, geez, DDP was kind of the bruiser of the team. So after the break, DDP gets the hot tag in. He's hitting lariats on everybody. He hit a diamond cutter on Butcher. He went for one on MJF, but MJF hit him with a low blow, so he tags out. Uh, Dustin comes in, hits a Canadian Destroyer on MJF. 
didn't didn't work as Canadian destroyers tend not to nowadays. I know it's crazy. <laughs> DDP jumps in and hits MJF with a diamond cutter. Uh, Dustin com- covered for a two count. Blade came in to save the pin. Uh, Dustin and QT both hit dives. Uh, DDP actually hit the most electrifying dive off the top post I've ever seen by a 63-year-old man. It was uh, great. Really, at the beginning of this match, I'm thinking, okay. I was even telling somebody at work because they're, they're a WCW fan. I was like, yeah, DDP's going to wrestle. Like, oh, man, he's old. I was like, yeah, no, he'll probably hit a couple cutters and tag out and, you know, no real serious bumps. He's just going to you know, promo his, his yoga and right. you know, get a couple cutters in and, and get people to tune in. But, no, he's going to dive off the top rope on the outside. I mean, I appreciate DDP for putting in the work, man. I, I really I thought it was great. Yep. Um, you had uh, QT climb back inside. Everybody's out outside the, the ring. And then MJF used a schoolboy. And got QT for the pin. And after the match, actually, uh, on Twitter, MJF had tweeted that Canadian Destroyers can't do it, but a good old schoolboy can. Or, no, uh, Canadian Destroyers and Dives can't do it, but a good old schoolboy can, which I thought was pretty good. Pretty uh, self-aware of AEW to to make uh, nod to their self like that. But, yeah, this was this was a textbook match. I, I thought that it, it was crazy that DDP took his shirt off and still doesn't really look much different than he did 20 years ago. It's insane. Talk about selling your yoga. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous, but I know that Matt, you're a huge DDP fan. You're a huge WCW fan. I don't have the same nostalgia attached to him. What did you think about this match? The match itself was fine, but from a nostalgia standpoint, DDP other than sting was my favorite WCW wrestler. And, uh, he got a couple good diamond cutters here, including one on MJF. And when he went to the top, I'm like, wait a second. Because DDP isn't necessarily known for coming for going off the top rope. And he jumps onto basically everybody on the outside of the ring. It was as safe as it could be. But he still took a little bit of a bump for a 63-year-old man in this match where he got his offense in, but he still lost. That's exactly what should have happened. It was great. I mean, I I enjoyed it so much, much more because I'm a huge DDP fan. Yeah, I was. Uh, so DDP actually came back. Was it a year ago? Or was it a couple years ago in the Royal Rumble? Like I think it was a couple years, years ago. Uh, he came back and made an appearance in the Royal Rumble, and he got gassed. He could barely move. Like he looked good, and I mean, I'm sure he could. He was a flexible person at this point in his life. Cause he's a yoga teacher, but as far as moving and fighting in the ring, just didn't have it. So when I heard he was going to be having a match, I was just like, Oh God, this is going to be horrible. But I think he's, he knows what happened in the Royal Rumble. And he was like, I cannot go out like that. I'm going to mm-hmm. go out. Like I want to go out. And he came out here and it man for a 63 year old man. I thought he did fantastic. I mean, it's, it wasn't, Ricky Steamboat coming back and fighting Jericho impressive, but it was close. Yeah. I thought he did great. He did really great. Yeah, I, I was very impressed by him. Uh, maybe a lot of people are saying it's his last match. I don't see any indication of that. I think he may come back again. Yeah. He's he could pimp his yoga a little bit more because, hey, that's the best, <laughs> best sales point you could have. I'm 63. I'm doing all this. Come buy my yoga. Yeah. But anyways, moving on. 
We have Jen Decker backstage with SCU. Hangman comes in with a drink in his hand. He starts talking trash to SCU. Uh, Omega comes in and intervenes. And again, I'm, I'm loving this combo of Hangman and Omega. You know, Omega being the straight edge guy, Hangman obviously being on the downward spiral, you know, teetering on alcoholism. It's appearing, uh, or you, at least using alcohol to cope with his issues uh, in life. And it, it's it's so good. They have so much of a connection. Right. I, I would be fine if they were a full-time tag team, to be honest with you. Really? I, 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 man, I like it. You know, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm going for it. All right. But, uh, yeah, I th- I'm looking forward to next week. I, I would, man, if, if Omega and Hangman won the titles off SCU and the Bucks have to chase them for the titles, that'd be a good story. It would be a great story. That's, that's just, that's just my fantasy booking there. <laughs> but anyways, we're going on to the main event. Uh, you have Pack versus Darby Allen. And man, looking at this match on the card, you knew it was going to be incredible. Yeah, but this match was incredible. I mean, so good. Pack is insane uh, in his offense, and Darby has to have nine lives because I thought he was dead at least that many times in this match. Yep. The, the sit down pile driver that Pack hit. I mean, even Tony was saying that Darby had broken his neck. I mean, it was insane. It's amazing what he's willing to put his body through. And hoping that doesn't catch up with him because he's only, I think, 23. Right. And he, he's not going to be able to do like this forever. But I'm enjoying it while he can. Uh, basically, to end the match, Pat climbed up at the top rope. Uh, Allen jumped up and tried to superplex him. Pat fought him off, knocked him down, hit him with the black arrow, which is an insane move. Yeah. And the fact that he can do it almost every match perfectly it's, it's ridiculous, but yeah, this is a great main event. Two great performers. I don't, I don't know how you could get much better than this for a TV main event. Yeah, really, it was so, so, so good. Very, very good. Uh, after the match, Tony Schiavone comes down to interview Pac, and Tony announced next week's match between Pac and Moxley as the number one contenders match on the boat of Jericho, and Pac basically said, "No, Mox is out." I win. He forfeits. He can't fight next week. I'm coming for you, Jericho, next week on your cruise. And Tony said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting something backstage. So they threw it backstage. And Moxley undoubtedly has, since he lost one of his senses, his hearing got a lot better. Yeah. Because he's loaded into a pack of an ambulance. And he broke out. He came into the stage. He said he doesn't care if he's blind. He's going to win the match. He's going to kick Pac's butt next week. And... This was good. I liked it. It was very 1990s WCW. I mean, the whole busting out of the ambulance thing. Definitely something we would have seen in the 1990s. But hey, this is Bash of the Beach. And uh, Tony Khan has obviously been taking a lot of ideas from WCW. He, he even said that the way that he prepared for being head booker of uh, AEW was he watched a lot of old WCW tapings. That's what he liked. So... That wouldn't give me a very good vote of confidence. Hey, early 1990s WCW was very good. It's just you know what? I'm starting a new wrestling company. I'm going to go watch and research a company that died. <laughs> a company that beat WWE for many years. 83 weeks. And then and then died. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, as long as he doesn't uh, make hey, the he's, same. He's no Vince Russo, so. 
Yeah. Very much, very much smarter than uh, Vinny Rue. So we're we're gonna see next week AEW signs Vin, Vince Russo to a ten year contract. Oh my god! And I will don't, quit don't speak that into the universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe at least, at least it won't be Hulk Hogan or Eric Bischoff. But no, uh, I like this to end the uh, end the show. I thought it really makes you want to watch next week. I love his Solid Snake uh, cosplay he's got going on. Yep. I'm hoping Pirate John Moxley out in the Pirate water. John Moxley on the boat. Yep. I think John Moxley's a little bit too serious of a guy to do it, but you know, I think he may have a little bit of a silly side like we saw last week. Well, he I, he in his infamous uh, uh, promo with Jericho in uh, uh, in the podcast interview, he said the things he hated most about himself is that the WWE learned that he had some comedic chops and they made him do all the stupid stuff. He is a legitimately funny guy. I just don't know if in character he could come out as a pirate, like maybe with like a do rag type thing on, but he's not going to be coming out with like a captain's hat and a hook yeah. and a, a silly plastic sword. That if it was WWE, he would, but he won't do that with AEW. Yeah, I would. I would mark out if they had him come out with the the eye patch and then throughout the match he sold depth perception issues. <laughs> Because of the loss of his eye, that would be great. That's incredible. I also love it. How would you how would you grade this show? Uh, there's there's so much good wrestling on this show, and again, it's a wrestling show. So I mean, really, the only thing I disliked about this show was the Nightmare Collective angle. Otherwise, pretty much a perfect card. So I think if I were to rate it anything, you know, if you take away the Nightmare Collective, it might get an A, but. I think I'm going to give it an A minus this week for okay. Bash to the Beach. Okay. Part one, part two coming up. They needed this too because last week's show was not good. And I was concerned. I'm like, man, what's going to happen with their ratings? Or is it going to see a massive drop? But it didn't. It, it had a slight drop, just like NXT did. But nothing, nothing all that bad. It was like 7,000 viewers, I think. It's basically Still beat NXT by a lot. Yeah, they, they did. And that's fine. You know, NXT also has a really great show. I prefer AEW, but, you know, NXT has the second best wrestling show out there. So it's true. Yeah. You want to, uh, oh, Kyle, before, yes. before we end the show, you want to do your brass ring and future endeavor? I will. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was tough this week. And I will actually start with the future endeavor first. I usually do the brass ring first cause it's a little more positive, but I had to think, and Matt, you might be a little disappointed, maybe not, but and actually I'm disappointed this week. I got to give the future endeavor to Rusev and Liv Morgan. Yeah. It's a bummer because I, even though I enjoyed their promo at the end, it's, it made me that much more disappointed because I felt like Lash, or Lashley and Rusev came out and had a bad match. Uh, and then, like I said, Rusev was just a dumb baby face getting distracted and getting beat here. But I was just even sitting here thinking, why is he even wrestling Lashley? Like I said it last week, why does he even care what they do anymore? I liked it better when Rusev was like, go ahead, get married, see if I care, do what you want. He... Should have had his last laugh at the wedding. And if it's Lashley and Lana who are trying to mess up his life, that's one thing. But why does he even want to be involved with him anymore? Why does he even want to fight Lashley? Just say, go on with it. So him coming out here 
He shouldn't even be involved in this. And then just to go and be a dumb baby face. Liv was supposed to be by his side the entire match. Apparently she just decided not to at some point. So her coming out later ended up being the distraction. So their own plan backfired in their face. They like losers. I just best of luck in your future endeavors, Rusev and Liv, because like I said, I'm crossing my fingers. Maybe it'll turn out good, but best of luck. And for the brass ring, it might be a little bit of a surprise, but it also might be a little overdue. This week I'm giving it to Mr. Sammy Guevara. Okay. This guy, how, how old is he? 25, 24. I'll tell you right now. He's right there with MJF of like, Super young talent in AEW who are just knocking it out of the. I'll tell you what. So when he first debuted and wrestled, um, he wrestled Cody in his first match on AEW, right? Right. He's twenty six, by the way. He wrestled uh, Kip Sabian on the the pay per view, and then wrestled Cody in the opener of Dynamite. Dynamite. So I didn't see him when he wrestled Kip Sabian, or I, or I didn't remember it. Uh, but when he he came out and debuted on Dynamite. I looked at this guy. He came out with the panda skin and all that. And I was just like, what is this? Right. He, come, he came out there in like his little underwear wrestling gear. He was a skinny guy. Tidy tidies. He didn't do much for me. But ever since then, man, this guy has won me over. Like, just every segment he's in. And he's in there with Jericho. Jericho should steal the show from everybody. And you know what? Most time he does. Right. But every now and then there's Sammy's there. And he's just as much doing something that gets my attention. And I really, this is a combination of this week and last week because last week he was great. Right. This week he was great. He just continues to be, I mean, next to Chris Jericho and like MJF, he's up there as like one of the best heels in AEW. Oh yeah. So I'm giving him his recognition. Sammy Guevara this week. Congratulations. You're, you're getting the brass ring. Yeah. You've earned it. Yeah. And I think that Chris Jericho, to be fair to Sammy, Chris Jericho made Sammy because Sammy was doing his panda thing. And then Chris Jericho said, look at this man. He's a Spanish god. Isn't he sexy? And then everyone screams. The guys cheer because they love Sammy and they love Jericho. And the girls are like, oh, he really he really is sexy. And uh, yeah, he's now the Spanish god. And he has ran with that. And my gosh, he's so talented. And now I see him at, you know, NHL games with jerseys, taking pictures with fans. Like he's he's doing his thing. Yeah. And, and you, you said it, he Jericho, Jericho made him in a sense, because he, you know, gave him the Spanish God gimmick and he put the spotlight on him. But man, he's had the spotlight on him and he's delivered. Cause he did the same thing for uh for Pride and Powerful and for Jake Hager. Right. But they haven't done near as much as Sammy Guevara for this group. Yeah. Or Sammy Guevara has. So so I think he's been fantastic. I think he's gonna keep being fantastic. I mean, he's one of my favorite characters on AEW now. So yeah, he's earned it. He's he's great. Okay. Yeah, I'm down. I agree with you. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with us for almost two hours. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us at Wrestle Life Radio on Facebook and Instagram and at Wrestle Life Pod on Twitter. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to us, including what you're listening to us on right now. 
course, you can also do Anchor, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Radio Public, basically anywhere you get your podcast. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at WrestleLifeMatt. You can follow Kyle on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate you. I hope you all have an absolutely wonderful day. Come on my face!